death. But I love that verse that he says, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, his Lord, or his son. So I want us to understand, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is us not getting what we do deserve. And if we were all to be honest this morning, what we deserve is death. We do not deserve that Christ came to this earth and died for us. And I want us to understand that because we, can, we have a tendency to kind of develop a sense of entitlement. That, well, I deserved Christ's sacrifice for my, we did not deserve anything of the sort. In fact, if we were to just if we if we were to just get an honest answer out of God, here's what mercy is. Mercy is God not striking us dead the moment we fail to do what he calls us to do. Mercy is us not getting struck down the moment that we sin. That's mercy. And there's a general mercy that all of us kind of live under that maybe things aren't as bad as they could be. But there's a specific mercy that's extended to those of us that are children of God, and it is an invitation that goes out to everybody. Jesus says, listen, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. I don't want anybody to die and go to hell. I want them all to die and stand before me, and they see that, that and God sees that my blood covers them, that they have been washed in the blood of the Christ. That when God sees them, he doesn't see their sinful past. He sees, he sees the sacrifice that has been made for them. See, this beautiful exchange takes place when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That exchange is this. Jesus wore our sin and we receive him as our Lord and Savior. An exchange takes place. He takes our sins and we get his righteousness. Is that not a beautiful picture of grace and of mercy? That when God sees me, he doesn't see my brokenness. He doesn't see my mistakes. He doesn't see my, my sin. He instead sees Christ, his, his righteousness has been imputed to me, has been put on my account. And man, that is an amazing thing. And he allows that to happen. And he, that, that, that's mercy. And Paul's saying, in light of what Christ has done for you and for me, he said, I want you to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, a holy and acceptable sacrifice. And he says, this is our reasonable service. This is, this is, this is what we should do as a result of 11 chapters of what God has done for us. And you know, it's not hard to look at this world and say that this world's got a whole lot of problems. We can flip on the news or open up a newspaper. There's just domestic abuse. I flipped, I, I checked Fox News the other day and there was a sheriff's deputy and, a, and his wife who was a teacher that was arrested on like 40 counts of child abuse. Like it's not much to understand that our world is broken. And, that, and, 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 and the problem is not like a surface level thing. You see, the world says, the culture says, that if there's a problem, what we need to deal with is the symptoms. 
So what, the, what culture is saying right now in society says, if we'll just throw enough money and resources into education, into, into, into services, if we will improve the environments that these people are living in, then all these problems will begin to go away. Like, let me give you an example of it. San Francisco right now, or really Southern California. They've got a homeless problem. They pass some taxes to help the, the, the homeless problem. It's not helped it, it's only magnified it because now they got more moving into town. And that's just an example. So what we do is we try to treat these outside factors. And what God does is God looks at our brokenness and, and, he, and he understands something. You see, the brokenness in our lives is not outside, it is inside of us. And as a matter of fact, there's a scripture that, that alludes to it in Mark chapter seven. Jesus taught that evil deeds come from within. He says, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And this defilement reservoir, as we would call it, is the human heart. What's Jeremiah say about the human heart? That the heart is above all things deceitful, who can, and he says, who can understand it? It is desperately sick. And every single one of us, all of us, have that sinfulness still kind of in there. Whether you're a child of God or you're not, like there is still those remnants of sin still creeping inside of our hearts, that our hearts are a, a hive of iniquity. But the, the solution to that is we need something powerful to penetrate deep down into our hearts and transform our hearts and deal with the problem at its source. That a purification that is internal and decisive and lasting, that there's no room for a halfway cleaning it, it, and I would liken sin to kind of like bed bugs. <laughs> right? But here's the thing. If I go to camp or I go somewhere and there's bed bugs and I come home and all I do is take a shower, it's a partial cleaning, right? Because my clothes have been exposed, my luggage has been exposed. And what happens if even one of those little bed, bite, bed bugs makes its way into my house? Do I just have one bed bug? Oh no, I'm gonna have a house full of bed bugs. You see, there's no room in our lives for a partial cleansing of sin. We need a full, deep scrubbing that comes through Christ Jesus. Jesus teaches us that everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. That if we allow one little foothold in our life, then eventually, if we're not careful, that one sin, that entry, that gateway, you know, we heard about gateway, one small foothold you know, as students in dare, one little thing, if we give Satan one small foothold in our life, it's like one little bed bug that we allow into our homes. And it begins to just spread. And so he tells us, he says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, John 8, 34. But just a couple of verses later in John 8, 36, listen to what he says. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that is the work of Christ, the gospel in our lives to set us free that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, to Christ. And we get to experience all that he has for us. 
And so contrasting that old external ceremonial cleansing of the Old Testament, the writer of Hebrews says this, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That Christ's work on the cross is that work that reaches down into our hearts and, and if you were here last week, Zach shared this passage with us in 2 Corinthians chapter five that comes in and makes us a new creation. That old is gone, the new has come. I'm no longer who I was. And that's why I think for so many of us, that song redeemed, just, just, it, 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 just, just something inside of us that stirs because we remember what we were. And now we get to see who Christ has created us to be. But for us, we, there's, this, there's got to be this understanding that just because I showered once doesn't mean that I'm cleansed for all, the, all my life. That just because I took a shower on the McKendree College campus in 2001 that I have not taken a shower for the last 18 years. How many of you want to be anywhere near me? I wouldn't be able to stand down here. You'd make me preach from like my office with a microphone because you wouldn't be able to stand and be around me. There's this constant work in our lives of, of just like we cleanse ourselves physically, there's that constant work of cleansing ourselves spiritually, so to speak, of confessing our sin, of repenting of our sin, turning our backs on our, on our sin and turning our face to God and living for him. And that's why Paul says, he says, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, because this is your reasonable service. And he says, don't be conformed to the world, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what the will of God is, what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is for your life. And then he goes in, he starts talking about these spiritual gifts and he says, you know, part of knowing what God's will is, is knowing what our spiritual gifts are, knowing the way that God has uniquely gifted each and every one of us for activity in his kingdom. Why? So that others may know this same saving work that happened in our life, that they can be ushered into the kingdom of God as well by the exercising of our gifts. People that aren't gonna be reached by somebody else. People that are gonna be reached by the Bostons and people that are gonna be, uh, gonna be reached by the Rungs and people are gonna be reached by Craig and Aubrey. People are gonna be reached by you that aren't gonna be reached by anybody else. That God has uniquely gifted you to go out and minister to these families and bring them into the gospel by proclaiming to them the glorious works of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection and his victory over Satan, sin, and death that God is gonna use us by our gifts. And then as he collects those gifts together in the church, how it magnifies what we're able to do. And let me tell you something, we were talking about the show me plan. We are together, we are able to do more. And let me tell you specifically about the church that you heard from. That Grace Fellowship Church was two people that God had gifted and called to go to Cape Girardeau, a place that neither one of them have been. And God called them to go. And my little sister and her husband and my two nieces are now going to church and they have not been in church in years, are going. And my sister is singing in a choir 
because two guys heard God's call and they went. And now a church full of people, many of whom have never been to a church before or have had bad church histories are now going to a church because they respond to the Lord's moving on their hearts. And there are stories just like that. We say that about preachers, but listen, there's the same thing in your life that God can use you to reach people that had a bad church experience or maybe have never even been to church, but use you to reach them. And we don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to pack up and move five hours away. But you know what? I'm thankful that those Matt and Ray did because if Matt and Ray hadn't have gone, I'm not sure my sister would be in church this morning. And so there's two things in looking at that. They went, but they had to have money to go, so what happens? The state steps up. And through your contributions to the show me plan, somebody's daughter is now going to church. Somebody's son has been rescued from the flames of an eternity in hell to hurt an eternity with Christ Jesus. Why? Because God didn't send you, but he has called us to generosity to help those who are going. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, full disclosure, I got skin in this game. I got skin in that game because I have a sister that was rescued from the flames because two guys went to Cape Girardeau. And God's not asking us to move to Cape Girardeau. God's asking us to move across the cubicle to the one next to us or to walk across the plant to a person that we know is struggling or walk across the street to a neighbor who we know every morning is out mowing their grass and we're getting up to head to church and give us that opportunity to share with them the transformation that God wants to bring into their lives. And so he uses us and our giftedness, but not just that. If we get into the text today, he says, he, he says you know, there's these marks of what a true Christian looks like. He says, there are evidences in our lives of what this looks like. He says, number one, he says, love is genuine. And we spent all week last week, and I apologize, that file was corrupted and that sermon did not, it was, it was recorded up there. There was a file, but there was nothing on there. So if you missed last week, sorry, I don't have it. I tried every which way to recover that file, but it's not. But last week, we spent the entirety of the service talking about love because love is a foundational ingredient. But he says this in the next, and then I'm gonna wrap up. He says, I want you to, he says, well, Romans chapter 12, verse nine. He says this. He says, abhor what is evil. Reject what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now I want to challenge us this morning with this. There was a there's a there's a story in the gospel. This rich young ruler, and he comes to Jesus. He wants to know what he needs to do to be saved. And Jesus basically tells him, "I want you to go sell everything you own. I want you to you know do this, this, and this." Or actually, he gives him some some of the Ten Commandments. He says, "Man, all, Jesus, all those I've done from my youth." And he says, "One thing you lack." He said, "I want you to go sell everything you own, and I want you to come and serve me." But the thing that started all this was a question. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it seems like over the time, from that question till today, see the question in the Bible times was what must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The question now is how little can I do to still be saved? 
We wanna know what little bit we gotta do. How much can I flirt with sin without, without forfeiting or losing my salvation? How much, how, much can I, how much can I sin and still get into heaven? How far, how far, how close to the edge of falling off can I get without actually falling off? And you see, there's no text in the scriptures that I have ever been able to find in all my reading. And there are some of you who've been alive a lot longer than me and read through the Bible many more times than me. There is not one place in the scripture that we find that God says it's okay to entertain, entertain sin. There's no place for us to live in rebellion to God in some area of our life. It's, there's, no, there's no room for that. Instead, he says there's phrasing that looks just like this, abhor what is evil, reject what is evil, reject those things. Don't flirt with them, don't mess around with them, don't play with them, don't entertain them. Reject what is evil. Even those gray areas of life, if you're not sure, it's probably a pretty good thing to stay away from until you discover what the, somewhere in the scriptures that maybe gives us a little bit more detail. But he said, I want you to reject what is evil and I want you to hold fast. I want you to cling. And, I, and, this, and this imagery of this word is like white knuckle clinging to it like a death grip that I cannot let go. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. And I wanna encourage us to this morning, in light of all that God has done for us, in light of all that God has rescued us from and rescued us out of, and you may say, my life hasn't been bad. He hasn't rescued me out of much. Let me tell you, he has rescued you out of a lot of stuff. Your life could be radically different if you had not surrendered your life to him earlier on in life. Cling to what is good. Allow that transformation to wash over you. It doesn't matter if you're 80 today and you've been saved for 70 years or you're, you're eight today and you've been saved for 14 days. There is still the cleansing work that God needs to do in our life. There is still the work that he is doing inside of us. We have not arrived yet. He who began a good work will see it through to completion. And let me tell you when that completion is. It's not today. It wasn't yesterday. It's not gonna be next week. It's when we go to be home with him. That's when that completion is done. We are such a work in progress that we will never see the completion of God's work done in us until the day that we are perfected with him in glory. That, that is how deep our sin problem goes. That we need him in our lives. How does all this work together? We have, if we have sin in our life, it doesn't, listen, you're saved this morning, you're not saved this morning, it doesn't matter. Our sin separates us from God. And if I'm living in sin, I'm not sensitive to what God's doing. I'm not sensitive to where God is working. I'm not sensitive how God would have me use my gifts in the church. I'm not sensitive the way God would have me use my gifts outside the church. When I'm, when I'm hardened by sin, my heart is not sensitive to the spiritual needs or the needs of other people. And so all the things that we're gonna talk about in the next few weeks about all these character traits or these, these true marks of a Christian, if, I am not, if my heart is not sensitive, if my sin has not been taken care of, I'm not gonna be able to do any of these things. Sure, on the outside, I'm gonna be able to do them. I'm gonna be able to, to check mark a box. I showed some hospitality today. 
I rejected a little bit of evil today. I did one good thing today. We can look at them as a, as a list of, of, of boxes to be checked. Check, 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 check. But that's not what God wants from us. They're not a list of boxes. It's a way of life. It's a way for us to live that, it, that engages us and sets us free and empowers us and energizes us in a way that we've never experienced before. Because I'm not thinking about things I've got to do. It's just who I am. It's who God's created me to be. But the first step in us living these things out is that we acknowledge God's grace that he gives me things I don't deserve, but that we are recipients of God's mercy, that he is withholding the things that we do and giving us stuff that we don't. That he's withholding what we do deserve and he's giving us this grace that we don't. And in light of that, we say, Lord, I'm not coming to you just because I need to be saved because I don't wanna go spend an eternity in hell. I'm coming to you this morning because I need you. That I need you. I need you in my life. I need your transformation. And God, I see the life and I understand the life that you want me to live, that you created me to live. And I know that in nothing else that I do, no other path that I pursue, no other career that I choose, nothing is gonna bring the satisfaction that I long for in my heart and my life until I become a living sacrifice and I learn what your will is and I begin walking in that will. And some of you, life's not gonna look a whole lot different in terms of where you work and what you do but how you go to work and how you interact with those parents that are on your, your child's t-ball or soccer or football or basketball or whatever sport they're playing or every activity they're being a part of, all of a sudden, everything begins looking a little bit different. And where it was at one point, it was just the hurry of getting my child to practice and sitting there waiting on that practice to get over with because I have another practice I gotta get to. Now all of a sudden, you're looking out and you're seeing people that if you don't speak to, if you don't proclaim the gospel to them, if you don't build relationships with them that enable you to share the gospel, these people will die and they will spend an eternity in hell. All of a sudden, we're gonna start seeing the people in our church in a different light. They're not gonna be tools. They're not gonna be teachers. They're gonna be people that Christ loved and gave his life for. And it's not gonna be hard for us to outdo one another in showing honor. It's not gonna be hard for us to actually enjoy honoring one another and respecting one another and loving one another in a way that, that we never have before. It's not gonna take effort. It's gonna be a natural outflowing. As husbands, I'm gonna be a better husband because of what Christ has done in my heart. Wives are gonna be better wives and mothers because of what Christ has done in their heart. My children are gonna be more receptive to the gospel message offered in class because they see how God has changed daddy's heart. Not because a teacher is telling them the gospel, but because my kids are seeing what Christ has done in their dad's heart, in their mom's heart, in the, in the hearts of the people that they're interacting with at church. Because here's the thing, my kids are not just my kids. Many of you are secondary parents. Our kids have grown up together. You're adoptive grandparents. See, that's the uniqueness of the church is that there isn't a parent here that doesn't think twice about someone saying, hey, I've got your kid. We've got, we've got parents and people, adults in this church that come up to parents and say, hey, we're gonna take your kids to lunch today. And the parents are like, okay. Like they don't even think twice about it. 
It's the dynamic of, the, it's the dynamic of this body of believers. And sometimes we just take that for granted. We don't understand what God has done with us. And sometimes because of that family dynamic, and I've shared about this at length, but sometimes because of that family dynamic, we can get careless in how we treat other people. We can get careless in the way that we respond or speak to. And we wind up having things underneath the surface that begin to bubble and crack. And maybe right now they're not an issue, but we're not doing everything we can to live peaceably with all. We're not living in harmony. On the outside, it looks harmonious. But when he talks about this living in harmony, it's, it's inside. We've got to be transformed. We need Christ to come in and set us free to whatever sin that is easily ensnaring us, whatever sin has got us entangled right now. And just because you're a Christian does not mean that you are not entangled by some sin. Just because you're a Christian does not mean that there isn't something that you need to get on your knees and repent of and ask God, but listen, the transformation cannot take place until we understand that we are recipients of the mercies of God. The transformation cannot take place until we repent of the brokenness and the sin that resides inside of our hearts and allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that God can do a work in us. Folks, I'm telling with you, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, I am so stinking excited about the potential that we have. But we have got to be transformed because we cannot do it on our own. There's not gonna be any plan that I, 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 I possess. There's not gonna be anything that we do that we're gonna say, oh yeah, in our own power, we can do this. God does not wanna do something for us to do it in our power. He wants to do us to do it in his and so listen, if you're here this morning, and let me just say this, if you have never, like you can't think in your head anywhere where you prayed any kind of prayer of just surrender to Christ, anything along the lines of, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. And Lord, I know that I need you. You died for my sins. Listen, if you've not prayed any kind of prayer like that this morning, the only thing you need to worry about is that. That's it. Nothing else I said today is gonna impact you other than your need for Christ Jesus your need for him. Secondly, if you're here this morning, maybe you have, you know that you're a Christian, there ain't no problems there. Is there some sin that you need to repent of? Have you taken for granted the grace of God and overlooked his mercy that we deserve far worse than what, than what we get because Christ has died for us on the cross? Is there some sin that is ensnaring us. And maybe it's not just one. Maybe now we're thinking, and it wasn't just one sin. It was that one sin got a foothold and now there's been a cascade effect. And all of a sudden you're sitting in a place today that you're really not sure how you got there. You just know that your relationship with Christ is not where it was and not where it should be. And you know what? Today, man, today is the day that we make these things right. Today is the day that we recognize this incredible gift that you and I have been given this incredible opportunity that we have to come before the one who died in our place that bore the, 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 the punishment for our sin, that we could be set free. And folks, this morning, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And God, we thank you for the life-changing message of the gospel.